0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and happy new year. Happy 2016. Hopefully, yours started off very good. Mine is a little stuffy because I'm sick, so I apologize for the nasally nature of my voice. But um, that happens, you know? Everybody gets sick this time of the year. The temperatures change, it gets cold, and it just it just happens that way. So. But I, I hope that you are going to get 2016. It's your year. You're going to kill it. Whatever. So many people like to use all those cliches at the beginning of the year to transform their life and do all these amazing things. To me, it's all bullshit. You you should just be constantly evolving, constantly pushing yourself um, all year. Like, you don't need a flipping of the calendar to do that. I understand it's very symbolic, and it's easier for most people to wrap their heads around when they're doing that. But I just, oh man, I just can't stand that. Because, I mean, you see it. I see it in the gym that I go to, where it's like, all of a sudden, first week of January, it's like, dude, this is way more crowded. Third week of January, it's a ghost town. And it's, it, it, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to care. It's hard to not be lazy. But um, yeah, so anyways, I always push against those conventions. But If you use that as a motivating factor, awesome. Go for it. Do it to it. Anyways, you're not here to hear my thoughts of the new year. Well, maybe some of you are. But what many of you are here to listen to is a conversation with people in and around independent music, and uh, this one is so delightful. It is a longtime friend, Nick Grimaldi. Most people know him by Biggie, as his nickname uh, is is given to him. And you know, it's funny, because in the entire conversation— I never asked him why he has that nickname, (laughs) and I've known him as such for, gosh, you know, close to 20 years, and um, yeah, I, I don't know the story, but I'm sure after he listens to this, he will email me and be like, oh, this is why, so anyways, maybe in the postscript, maybe in next week's episode, I'll be like, oh, hey, this is why Biggie is named Biggie, so anyways, he manages basically most of your favorite bands that are active right now, from Every Time I Die to Circus Survive, like, Good Fight Management is the name of his company and uh, he does great, great work. And typically I don't like to interview too many people behind the scenes because I know a lot of people kind of maybe feel disconnected from that because maybe they're not interested in working in the music industry or whatever. But Biggie is a perfect guest because, uh, you know, he himself didn't really know where he was going to end up for the future. And everything in regards to what people are supposed to do from a – you know, societal convention standpoint. I mean, he had no idea. So his his life story is pretty cool, and I wanted to share it with you. So he invited me over to his house. We sat down, hung out, and uh, this is what transpired. So here's our conversation, and I will talk to you uh, after the jump. Are we on? Are we doing this? No, we're, we're recording, but this, <laughs> this, 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 this may or may not be on there.
1: Uh, we... Redid the whole house in Santa Ana. Like oh, okay. Redid
0: everything. Right. And then... For the purpose of selling it? Or you were... No, like, just, this
1: is it. We're buying a house, and this is where yeah, we're going to yeah. live. Like, I was just amazed like, I could buy a house in Orange County. And I'm like, <laughs> this is it. Like, right. put roots in. My, my mom lived in Fountain Valley and has since I was born and still does. And I'm like, you buy a house, and that's where you stay. So I'm like, I bought the house. I redid everything Insane front yard, backyard, everything. Every mm-hmm. surface. And then, you know, business picked up, and we're like, dude, we could, like, Maybe go live in Costa Mesa or on the east side of Costa Mesa or whatever. Right. And found this place. And wh- or while we were shopping, we just decided like the renovation was a nightmare, obviously, as everyone says. And I'm like, if we get a new house, because I'm fine, I can live in the San Ana house until I'm dead. I'm right. Fine. Yeah. If we get a new house, it has to be like put the couch there, put the TV there, done. You know, I'm not doing anything. So right. this one. It's like a plug and play. Literally. And this one was literally. Like, Put the couch there. Way to get a bigger couch, but put the couch there. Right. Mount the TV. Put all my clothes in the closet, and I was like,
0: "See you later." Right. <laughs> don't it's, do anything. Hey, take some pictures. We're good. Yes. That's, yeah. Yes. Right, well, that yeah, that's definitely that's what it was like when we because I, I live in Tustin, like right by the the district, and it was that was one of those things we were looking at places in like Huntington Beach and Fountain Valley, and it was like for our price range, I was like, dude, I could I'm gonna buy like a 40 year old home where every weekend I have to fix shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I don't want that at shit. all. I want to buy a new place, and so we bought a new place, and that's what it was like. Oh yeah, it's great. So I don't like every weekend. I'm not like, all right, let's get the shutters. What fuck that?
1: I know, dude. It's it's insane. It's such a weird time too, because all my friends are buying, looking, and, yeah. and dealing. And it just look thinking back to that mindset, it's like uh, you know, like, do I buy the newer house there or the older house where I want to live? Oh, like I had this weird, still have this thing where it's like I can only live in these like four cities. Right. You know, like and can- Santa Ana wasn't one of them. You know, that it was <laughs> right. like a last ditch effort. It was like. Well, Costa Mesa is too expensive. Huntington Beach is too expensive. Fountain Valley is weird. I've lived there for 30, 30 years at that point almost. Right. You know, gotta, I gotta, I gotta spread my wings a little. Spread bit. my wings and get like down to Bristol, <laughs> and uh, uh, that's how we ended up in Santa Ana. Okay. Then, uh, I, I, you know, my friends now are like, well, we can have a shanty in Costa Mesa or like this right. big nice house in Anaheim or this big nice house in Orange. Yeah. You know? yeah, so, yeah. But I, yeah, I was like, I have this terrible thing
0: where it's like I'll live in like four cities. Yeah. I don't know why. Hopefully it goes away. Well, <laughs> hopefully it goes away. Where you can, well, I mean, you, it, I think it has to do with obviously a level of comfort where you're just yeah. like, oh, this is like not only is this what I know, but then like, I mean, obviously with people like you and I who are comfortable traveling, mm-hmm. it's like we can see other stuff and experience other things. But then we're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go back because yeah, why does anybody is the best? Right? Why would you live anywhere besides Southern California?
1: Yeah, it's pro- I mean, probably more more than necessary pride in Orange County. I <laughs> have you know, like no, very, I very mean. very much love Orange County. And uh, looking back now, it's like honestly, why? Besides like the weather and like obviously my friends, but it's like yeah, yeah it's yeah. great. But it's like the amount of like oh, I could never like never leave. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's a little unjust, right? i feel yeah, like I'm yeah. a You're too into Orange County for kind of no reason. Now that I'm 35 and looking back, and like you know, we're not sitting around with Throwdown and Ethan Visions right. a ta- a- a- talking That's about like the softcore house, right? Right. <laughs> right. Now we're not softcore, <laughs> and I can probably live wherever. But it's like no, I live in Orange County. Yeah, that's Forever. of
0: course. That's what that's what I <laughs> that's what I'm doing. It's funny, because you're one of those <clears throat> you're one of those people where it's just like, and I presume that you probably couldn't pinpoint that. I have no fucking clue where I met you. Like oh, God, we just no. we just existed in obviously the same universe. Parallel universe.
1: Yeah. Just through music, obviously, through hardcore shows. Right. I don't remember anything before Taken.
0: Right. You know? no, 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 no. It was. Yeah. I, I mean I, I played in ter- like a terrible <laughs> band before that, but nothing that like we never our worlds never intersected like we never played shows besides you know playing public storage when it was public storage right but that Back was when. you know that was that was nothing yeah i couldn't no <laughs> way I could that's totally. how like
1: most of my friends are to be honest yeah yeah, you know, yeah. like <laughs> that era of whatever it was probably late 90s early mm-hmm. 2000s it was just yeah. a swirl of a weird case of like tunnel vision of like this is my journey i wasn't in a band you know so it's like this right. is like i'm just going to shows to mosh jump off stages just Basically, be obnoxious.
0: Looking back, you know, like yeah. I was obnoxious. Hey, you, you, you were actually, you were literally taking the words right out of my mouth. So, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I, 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 since you did that for me, I will, I'll, I'll trace it back. So it was just like the, the idea of like once I started to become. You know, take it start to play more shows with obviously all the Orange County bands and we started to become more part of the scene. It was one of those things where it's like you were always this person where I was just like, God, like Biggie's that guy like you're always nice to me and I never had any sort of like misgivings towards you. But I was just like, man, he dances so fucking hard and he dives on people's heads it's like he's kind of a dick. But like, but actually, but I he's think always he's,
1: smiling and kind of like
0: says hi to me. So he's not. I guess he's not a dick. But fuck him because my neck hurts. Totally. <laughs> it was like this. It was just this weird push and pull where it wasn't like I, I had no strong opinions. Like I said, one way or the other. But it was one of those things where it was like, and it just got me reflecting on like when people's reputations precede them, especially within obviously the context of the scene. Where it's just like, I'm sure there are people who can like look back. At that time, and are just like, oh yeah, Bigby's the worst dude of all time. Totally, I have met so like it, <coughs> sadly met so many people that are
1: like, okay, I gotta be honest. I used to fucking hate you, right? And I'm like, dude, what? Like, I I wasn't an. I mean, I guess I was. I was an asshole, not intending to be. I was were, just in my own world, right? Like, you New. Know, I
0: think you, you you said it back like obnoxious, where it was like, but I yeah. mean,
1: you you what? Like seventeen, oh, like seventeen to like twenty something, just hyper as hell, right? All my friends were were the equivalent to Metallica to me. You know, like I would count down the days for a throwdown show and the days for these, like I would go, I I would be so pent up and just be, I would lose my mind at showcase theater. The whole, I couldn't even physically do it. Like I couldn't even jog as long as I danced back then. You know, like (laughs) I don't even know how I did it, (laughs) right? but God, I loved it, man. And like, maybe it's because I was never in a band and that was like my stage or just the fact that I, I don't know. I loved it, man. And, And looking back, it's like, why did I think it was okay to walk on heads or to just right hit someone extremely hard? Right. Like I wasn't intentionally, but yeah. understanding like laws of you know, You're right? It's gonna happen when the way I'm moving my body around with six hundred people in this room, the size of this office. You know? Right, right.
0: <laughs> no, is that it? Was, it, it was it, like I said, it just really got me reflecting on like the 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 notion of that because it's like because we were obviously sort of on the ground floor of that sort of scene becoming more nationally known, there was all of these these personalities, I mean, you included, where it was just like, oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, Biggie's that guy that, like, you know, like, he's not in the band, but, like, he'll travel with the band, and, like, he'll definitely represent <laughs> the scene. <laughs> he'll-, <laughs> he'll represent the pit, whatever. Just the you want worst to- words that we used to say. Like- <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and I just, I find it so, um, I just find it so interesting because it is, it is this thing where it's, like, because we're so young and dumb, and then, like, having to, like, live with those sort of uh, reputations at such a an age where, you know, you shouldn't have a reputation besides yeah. like in your high school maybe, you right. know? But then it's like on a more nationwide level. It's just so weird.
1: Yeah, it is. Like I, I, just that I would travel and I would be, you know, a band, uh, these bands that in my head were huge, we, we would go play places and nobody would move and I'd be like, well, this is unacceptable. Like I must, I must activate this show. Of course. I must <laughs> like, set this off, right? Yeah, and like – I literally took not like I like this is my job but I took it like Norma Jean is not going to have a bad show. I don't care if these kids don't know them yet. You uh-huh. know what I mean when they're opening for Bleeding Through 100 years ago or whatever. Right. You know, and I would be like I don't know why I took that on as like my duty but I would every single day all day dance at shows on tour, I'd meet people and they were just like I used to hate you all the time. Yeah. Know? Go places where they were like much like actual you know everyone talks about oh when the scene was dangerous like yeah for me it was never dangerous <laughs> right right at all but i understand people there it was like when i talked to like dudes from syracuse and all that yeah. and, like philly meet, yeah, yeah yeah like meeting these you know yeah meeting these guys and i'm still friends with now and just like they could have killed me like acting how i was acting you know <laughs> what if joe Hardcore's like all right fuck this guy or guav like take out right, one of his stop, 400
0: right. knives and he's like i right, fuck this guy you know Luckily, we're all friends now. (laughs) No, totally. It is is funny because I I think it is a very... uh, Obviously, it was a very safe scene from where we were coming. I mean, because it's just suburban, you know? And then it's like the big cities, I definitely distinctly remember of just like, yeah, once your worldview started to expand where you're just like, oh, like, yeah, there's some tough tough people out there. Yeah,
1: I remember... I would just mosh, 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 and then I got to like a Syracuse matinee. Uh-huh. You, you guys played one, right? Like the New Year's Day shows. You guys ever do that? Oh no, no, we never. I'm familiar with them, but They're we never insane. played one. Insane. And I just remember being like, "I am not dancing. Like this is insane. This right. is not. This is we're not in Orange County anymore. You know, totally. We're not in Arizona. We're not in Texas. <laughs> right. We're in Syracuse with people with masks and right. You know, we're not in we're not in Salinas. Like, no, <laughs> we are not in Salinas. Jim Dandy's is not.
0: You know, yeah, <laughs> no, it's it, yeah, it's definitely true. When you 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 come up to that stark realization, like not only am I far from home logistically, but it's like this is a whole different culture here. Yeah, I, I can't I can't do what I my obnoxious self normally yeah. does. I don't have like the whole world behind me just in case. <laughs> right. at all. It's like, oh, go ahead, I'll be on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, I'll just uh, I'll watch you guys. Maybe I'll do a stage <laughs> dive. That's uh, that's about it. Yeah, um, but you like you mentioned before, so you were born and raised in Orange County. Yeah, like tried and true tried Fountain and true. Valley. I lived in Fountain Valley until I was twenty five. Lived at home until I was
1: 25 because I was touring so much. My mom mm-hmm. was just like, if you stay in college, you can live here for free. So I'm like, I'm never leaving. You know? right. Until I was 25 and had like a mental breakdown of like, I'm 25 and I live at home. I was in Europe when I had it. And I'm like texting my friend or probably emailing at that point, I guess. Sure. In '05, i I'm like, we got to move out. You're 24, I'm 25. Let's get out of here. And we got a place together in Costa Mesa. But even that was two miles away from my mom. Then I moved to Santa Ana. Which was two miles away from that. Then sure. I moved back to Eastside Costa Mesa. So this four square mile
0: bubble for thirty five years, <laughs> right? And hopefully not leaving. In yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're <laughs> completely comfortable with that. Yeah. Um. And so what was your what was your family structure like when you were growing up? Like mom and dad, brothers and sisters. One brother, four years older. Okay. Um, single mom.
1: Dad was kind of standard asshole. Okay. Alcoholic, druggy guy that was like. You know, Did all they? That jazz. They get divorced at a pre, like you were pretty. Yeah, young. Okay. I don't remember them being married. <clears throat> I remember when they were still like, maybe they were married, but they were not together. Okay, you know, I feel like they got. The, I don't. I'm terrible at timelines, which is probably going to become a uh, yeah evidence. a recurring theme here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember them ever together, but yeah, we. I haven't. I didn't. I stopped talking to my dad when I was like, probably younger than ten. Oh, okay. And then, uh, we reconnected once since then, but he's not in my life. Yeah, there's no influence no, whatsoever. Not at all. Like total uh totally tight with my mom, like extremely tight to this day and pretty tight with my brother. We're very different people, but when we get together it's great. But mm-hmm. total mama's boy, total caller every day, that, all that jazz. Yep. Uh but no dad. Right. I have a stepdad now. Who's okay. a shit. But he didn't come into the into the picture until like, you know, when I was like, I don't know, 20-ish or something. Oh, okay. I, Got maybe it, got a little, it. even a little older. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the core years is definitely single mom, single income, sure. All that jazz. Was she? What was she doing for work? She was a teacher. This is actually, you know, a pretty, not, not a lot of people know this, but when my parents were together, they were like really well off. Okay. I don't remember this, but right. we had a house in Huntington Harbor, the house my mom currently has in Fountain Valley. A house in Big Bear. Oh, geez, yeah. Mom drove a Cadillac. Dad drove a Corvette. Like, sure. The full, like, we were living in the 80s, right? Like, totally. I don't remember this, but yeah. Um, dad and mom, or dad made mom stop being a teacher. She's a teacher. said, so You're not going to, you don't need to work. Raise our kids. Oh, right, sure. Be the homemaker, okay. right? Totally. Be a homemaker. Well, she's like, oh, I love being a teacher, but yeah, we're doing so great. I'll be a homemaker. Shit goes south with my parents. He, in a very long story, ends up taking everything except that house which he put in my brother and my name as in a trust okay because in his mind like i'm gonna fuck the wife like sure you know she won't have any ownership she's not gonna yeah. have shit ever you know i'm gonna she, he hit all his income she didn't have to pay child support all this crazy stuff and the only thing we had was that house to eventually and i don't understand why he's probably at some point thinking i was just gonna give it back to him mm-hmm. but us being on the trust allowed my mom to live in the house essentially free because we basically owned it. You right. It's the only reason we actually lived, stayed you know? there. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. you actually were able to, like, stay in Orange County. Totally, sure. totally. And so I, I kind of bounced away. But he, she was a teacher, but then started working in, uh, like, banking, like mortgage banking. Oh, okay. Climbed the ladder there, but went went from a very modest salary as a teacher to starting at the bottom and then working her way up to being a vice president until she retired. Um, but... Yeah, the the early years it was I didn't know it at that time but we were spread thin. Sure. You know? Like yeah, your mom was doing whatever
0: she could. Totally. Too. Just
1: total, you know, out of out of the storybook single mom raising two kids. Yeah. I all I did was skateboard, you know, so I didn't need that much attention, but looking back when I would like Asked for a few bucks for arcade games and it's like oh not today you know and I just be like oh all right. right it wasn't like it wasn't out of like no 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 like you're gonna learn these values it's like no we don't have yeah we don't I have literally a few don't have five dollars to give you, you. Know? yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, we were fine it's not like I'm, we're poverty stricken but it was definitely tight and considering how we were supposed to be with all these houses and my dad was he uh, was like an appraiser so he made like really good money so, huh. Amongst other things, I don't know. He's a pretty sketchy dude. So well, I mean, it's well,
0: obviously, it sounds. I mean, just you setting up the story of the fact that he's obviously it was a very predetermined thing for him to hide all of like basically, so your mom wouldn't have any. Oh, yeah,
1: super like Italian, like over the top mafia, wannabe mafia. <laughs> yeah, just a fake asshole, you know. Sure, like, he's a pile, yeah, but, you know, abusive to her, abusive more to my brother than me, doing drugs, all that crap right drinking way too much and uh and then finally it,
0: she finally she was fed up Where yeah was just, finally she's like i'm
1: fucking out of here mm-hmm. and went through a crazy all this is fuzzy but it was gnarly at that point in my life went through a crazy custody battle where like out of a movie there was like this rich guy who has the money and time and assets to go after Fight this it, sure. woman who has nothing and we're so young you know probably like 12 and 8 or like 11 and 7 or something my brother and i no matter what we say to the judge like i don't like my dad i want to stay with my mom it doesn't mean anything at that point um
0: and yeah it it got it got yeah that's brutal yeah it got pretty rough for a while and uh i mean especially because it's like you know when you i mean when you're a child you don't obviously obviously understand all the complex nuances that go behind all of that and so it's like you're just like but I just want to do this. Yeah, like, I want to be with my mom. And then you're like, "Well, well, do you really mean that?" I don't, I'm seven. Like, yeah,
1: I was so young, and I just remember. I remember. I don't know. I don't know why certain things stick in your head. But I remember yeah. once when I was young, asking my brother, "Like, who do you like more, mom or dad?" Uh-huh. And he was old enough to be like, "You can't ask that." Like, we love them both the same. And I remember being like, "Okay." And I'm like, but "I love mom way more." Like, am I bad? Is that wrong? Like, right? Dad's kind of a dick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. Like, rules. Like, <laughs> we
0: were split like one week at a time. One week mom. One week dad. When we oh one week, dad. okay got it. And <clears throat> so, just, you, yeah, you were, it wasn't obviously like cut off to the point of where no. you didn't see him, but it's like you still were able to develop an opinion. On yeah. Him. And I just remember dreading the like dad oh, week, you know? Dude, like,
1: that's the God worst. Sucks. And it was, it was like, on one hand it was, we had the bigger TV and we had all these toys and all that at dad's house. Sure. But I hated being there. Right. And opposite, all we had was like, you know, my shitty chipped up skateboard, but right. like rad mom. Totally. So like we just looked forward to that. And we finally you know long long story short we got it sorted and it it ended when i was like 17 officially when i was like old enough to be like i'm going to fuck you up you know like i can't believe that it dragged on for <laughs> that long it dragged on forever and i was finally i remember i was in the garage phone leaving to go skateboarding and he was calling and harassing and i was like i'm old enough now to say this like i like st- stepped st- up to do sure. probably would have smashed me still but in my head i was like i'm going to kill this guy mm-hmm. and he kind of left us alone for a long time and then uh Fast forward a lot of years when I was like twenty seven, uh-huh. I did I did that thing called the Landmark Forum. Oh yeah, yeah, Are you familiar yeah. Familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. Anyone who doesn't know can look it up. It's pretty,
0: it's pretty weird, but right. Um, <laughs> I was I was definitely uh, towards my tenure, my end of working at Century Media. That was when my boss Robert was very very into that, and he was, oh, he, actually, was? he was getting a lot of people that worked there to go to there.
1: It's cool. It's funny if you Google it if you put in like the Landmark Forum and the, the guesses it'll say Landmark Forum. Second one, the Landmark Forum is a cult. Right you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just like anything else, I mean this is a total total tangent, but yeah. the landmark form is amazing and I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. You just gotta have your filter on and be like, okay, I'm taking that info, that info, that's fucking weird. I'm gonna leave that there. <laughs> right. That info's great. And I'm not gonna go and tell all my family to come if I you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I just pulled out certain things. Use it as a tool rather totally. than like just like anything else in life. You sure,
0: know? exactly.
1: And uh, one of the things that got out of that like four day, all day seminar was like to just let go of things that you're holding on to. And my whole life, like if you ask anyone that's known me, I've never been like, fuck my dad, you know, like at all. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. But after you go through this process, you realize that like you are holding on to something. And even even if like you don't think it's affecting you every day, you just need to let it go. You know? And so I long story short, I got his contact, reached out to him, we actually met, met up. Okay. And like I said, long story short, he's still just an asshole. Totally. You were just like, this, <laughs> like he met this my wife. It. Yeah, like, this is my wife. And, like, if I was very upfront, I'm like, if we want to have a relationship, it has to start, like, today. Because if we go backwards, I'm going to freak out. You used to hit my mom. You used to hit my brother. You used to hit me. You, used to, you chose totally. drugs and alcohol over us. Like, we can't go back there. Right. But if you want to start today and say, like, you know, tell me about your new wife and, you know, not new, 15-year marriage and kid, and you can learn about my wife at the time and blah, blah. So we met once and, and it worked. We met another time, and then he got weird about the house. That going back to like us being in the trust of the house and the mm-hmm. fact that we like let my mom in on the trust and all this all this stuff. And I'm just like, you're
0: just still a psycho.
1: I don't need you. I don't, I barely have time to even think about you now. Right. I just don't need you. I'm just going back with like my amazing family, amazing life. But I like turned the page on it. You know, totally. thanks to Landmark and just being like. I even tried I, when I when I told my family, like I told my brother, I'm like I'm gonna reach out to my dad. He's like, are you fucking crazy? Right, right. You this know? is this is a bad. You're idea. an idiot, right? And I had him do landmark, and he's like, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, I'm not reaching out to dad. Fuck him, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> but like landmark is sick. I'm like, okay, well.
0: right? Yeah. that chapter is proverbially closed. Yeah, he There's- had it like,
1: I guess you know, quote worse than me. He was older, and yeah. a, a remembers it more, and B I think like was, I think it was hit more than me. Like it's not really talked about, but I think it was like. He yeah got the he, worst he right he was
0: he was receiving more of yeah. the shit because he was essentially live yeah for long, like he exactly. was on the scene
1: first. Yeah and I was just young and little and Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So it's
0: interesting the uh, do you think any of obviously the the experiences that you had with your father like influenced the idea of like you know straight edge and like percent sort of, Okay. 100%. It
1: was like straight edge to me was like I was I was straight edge and then I heard there was a name for it basically yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I yeah, mean yeah yeah kind of like when, when i read the secret that book the secret yep it's like the whole like the manifestation shit. of it yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's like oh this is just a title of what i already do like i'm already po- you know what i mean i'm already positive and thinking like the universe is around me i want to have like good mm-hmm. energy but yeah straight edge was like you know drink don't smoke yeah I, I, all i do is skateboard it, it started technically with skateboarding because it's like when people were getting into it in like seventh eighth ninth grade it's mm-hmm. like well i can't skate when i'm drunk and that's all I wanted to do. Right. So it's like everyone's drinking. I'm gonna skate. You know, I'll go to the party, but I'm gonna go i am I'm gonna be skating on the front or something. Right. And then I, I just never got into it. I tried like a couple of beers with my older brother once. Right. I'm like, this is whack. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're like not interested in Not this. interested. And never looked back and don't will never look back for sure. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like it's people are like, I can't believe you're still straight edge. And it's like, I I'm just me. There's a title out there that makes sense to be totally that, but
0: yeah, no, I'm. I mean, I'm the same way. Where it's like, but it's funny because I still have this weird notion that it's like, if I give up that title, if I just, you know, I mean, because we're grown ass men yeah. now, we don't need to call ourselves straight. I don't. Edge. I mean, I
1: have an X right there, you know, yeah. on the ground. Right. But I know
0: we, yeah, we, we, we have yeah, still let urban let outfitter ex. accoutrements that, you know, show that we're straight edge. A little subtle. Right. But then I always look at it where it's like if I give up that title, I feel like the dumb kids win. Like the people that give straight edge a bad name totally will win because people like you and I have like, oh, we're not that title anymore. It's like, well no, like we are.
1: Yeah, like I'm still super super proud of it, you know? And um I I don't know. It's I don't think it's for everyone. I don't think it's for most people. I don't care when people stop doing it yeah. or anything like that. Uh, I think it's weird when people Stop doing it, like when they're really old. Yeah, you're like you've been through, like this. yeah, it's like just you know each their own, and that's cool. But if you're not, if you don't know who you are yet, that's a little weird. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like go do your thing. Sure, but, figure it out
0: eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. just weird. <laughs> um, and so you, uh, you strike me as a type of person. Like you know, once you started to you know go to high school and start to develop, like kind of who you were, you strike me as a as a person, what I like to call a chameleon. Where it's like, and I don't mean this in a bad way, where it's like you're able to kind of like flit between groups where it's just like you could hang out with the people who are like, you know, whatever, the proverbial jocks in high school, but then you can also obviously hang out with the hardcore kids. Um, was was that kind of like who you were or, or did you kind of stick to one group more? Or yeah, less?
1: no, I was um, and still am. Like my, my friends call me a social butterfly, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I get along with everyone and I was, you know, we actually had a lucky at our school because everyone talks about like, oh, we were the weird like seven straightest dudes at our school, which we were, but when I was a freshman, the, like, seniors, like, the football stars, like, our literal quarterback and running backs were straight edge. And oh. so, like, it kind of set this weird, like, all right, straight edge dudes are all right. I mean, granted, those dudes were not edge now and probably weren't, like, six <laughs> months later. Right. But it set this, like, precedent of, like, straight edge kids aren't necessarily, like, the d- dorks and the weird outcasts. Like, they're just... Right. there's like they're at a at parties. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, at the yeah. parties and they're just not drinking, you know. Sure. Get our little jabs. But, right. yeah, totally. I would hang out with... My crew of weird straight edge dudes, and then like skateboarders, and you know, like some of the like cool guys at school, and all that jazz. That's, that would that would define me. But then I, when I met the like Huntington and Newport guys, then it was like party over. I'm like, dude, fuck my school. These dudes are whack, and there there was such a bigger crew than our weird eight. They're like a weird like fifty, you know? Right, I'm like, yeah. this is great. Because you,
0: you, you did you go to Newport Harbor? Or did I you... went to Fountain Valley, but I oh, met a kid.
1: That got transferred to Found Valley from—I don't know if he was from Harbor or not. Come to think of it, but you know, this guy who was, looked like a hardcore dude in, in the late '90s and had an 18 Vision sticker on his folder got yeah. transferred to our school, and I'm like, "Who the fuck are you? Right. You know, like, where did you come from?" And yeah, he's like, "Oh, 18 Visions are like all my friends," and at this point, I didn't know any of them. I'm like, "What? You know, this is insane." At that point, and so that guy was Brandon introduced me to Ken. Floyd, who sure. I'm still good friends with, and the, that introduced me to all the Newport dudes, right, which right. I'm still very good friends with. All of them. That's how I met, you know, Throwdown and 18 Visions and touring and all that shit. There's yeah, one yeah. guy that got transferred. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I,
0: it's funny that you're able to like kind of always just dis, like distill those things down to one point where it's just like, yeah. oh yeah, like if I didn't meet that one person, who knows where that totally. would have gone. Um, and so then as you did, did you immediately like, you know, once you started to like go to shows and be, well, I, I guess a better question, how did you get exposed to it in the first place? Like, was it, um, was it like old your older brother or how did, you know, kind of the independent music scene start to infiltrate you?
1: As I've heard on your show, like 400 times skateboarding into, sure. but I was more skateboarding into metal for okay. some reason. I, like just, I guess the style of skateboarding I was, I was more like kind of thrasher and like, you know, heavy metal stuff and listening mm. to like Slayer and stuff like that. Um, but like stand. I guess I always liked aggressive music cause back when like Guns and Roses was, yeah. Guns and Roses and Skid Row was like the heaviest thing I could ever imagine. And of I course. heard Metallica and then I dove into like Slayer and Pantera and Sepultura and all that. So I was like this metal guy, like, cool, I'm this metal guy that skateboards. But then like the cool skateboarder guy, well I thought was cool. He's probably like a big nerd, but <laughs> yeah. like dude, I thought it was cool cause he skated the fastest and like drove before me and all that. All he listened to was like Misfits and Dead Kennedys and stuff like that. So I got crazy into punk. Mm-hmm. And then not as, I, I guess once I, once I found like the, at that time, like that the metalish hardcore, that mm-hmm. was when I was like, this is it. This is the hybrid. Yeah. This is, this like is the world I'm I look love. At- this is the metal I love. This is it. And so that was it. It was skateboarding into punk from my friend Brandon. And then once I met everyone, it was like, you know. Yeah. Off from there.
0: No, totally. You felt like you stepped into something where it's just like, and I, I felt it too, where it's like, you feel like you step into something that's like kind of your own in a way too, where it's just like, because obviously it's like since that, the metallic hardcore thing started to become so prevalent in the mid and late 90s, it wasn't this like 15 to 20 year history you had to play catch up with. Totally. It was like, it was, I was living in it. That was the thing. Yeah. I have like no, sh- I, you know, I, I listen to older hardcore
1: and like I can talk old hardcore and all that jazz, but like I didn't dive in as crazy as other people did at all because the 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 excitement for me was the live setting like i could i remember distinctly like being heartbroken if i was like into a band and then finding out they were from europe i'm never gonna fucking see these guys right or like into this record and they would break up or something because the whole like the payoff like the work of like memorizing it and loving it and getting so passionate about it was when turmoil would come through town and i would just go ape shit yeah because i knew every word and every you know what i mean right and uh I, I would i would listen to the old stuff but once i fell in love with the live setting it was really hard for me to not stay up on what's new and that's how i still am like mm-hmm. i still granted i listen to all my old stuff too but I, lo- I still love listening to new music and going to shows and you know i still absolutely love it i don't Mosh as
0: much anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you you've you've learned how to adapt to your own age where it's like that's you know, I don't need to do yeah, that anymore. But I still like did a like a good
1: hardcore show where I'm just like, Man, it's great. I I love it. Look forward to it. Totally. Totally. I still yeah. absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, it's like those those emotions no matter no matter how long you've experiencing, how long you've been experiencing them, you can—they're still so fresh when you do trip across it. Where it's just like, oh yeah, that—that that mimicked exactly what I felt like twenty oh, years yeah. ago, or whatever. Um, the. Uh, did you, like, as you were, you know, going through high school, like, did you, like, did you care at all in regards to school? Like, did you have sort of a path where it's like, oh, I would like to, you know, do this. I know you mentioned that you wanted to be a veterinarian at some point. Yeah. Like, was that all kind of filtering through high school or was, like, music kind of your, 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 your beacon, as it were?
1: Um, well, my mom, since my mom was a teacher, she instilled it very early, like, education's important mm-hmm. and, you know, if you do well in school, I would get, like, rewards for good grades and all that oh, okay. jazz. And... Uh, what that I, I did really well in school, like really really well, and it was actually it seemed pretty easy to me. I, I was I'm I'm just like a fast person in general, so like when it came time to do homework, I'd be like just try to get through it, and go, and then I can go skateboard or go play whatever. You sure. Know? So I always did good and always like did all my homework and all that jazz. But then as it went like into the later years, like thinking about college, my mom, like I said earlier, was like, you can live at home for free if you go to college, and I was just at this cross crossroads i'm like fuck like (laughs) i have no idea what i want to do right all i care about is hardcore and touring my friends are going on tour how you know how can we do this and i just weaseled through i went to occ orange coast college like community thing for two years Mm -hmm. and would tour on like the summer break the winter break spring break because all my friends were in college and we would literally book it around that and then like every once in a while i would take a semester off because I got to go to Europe and like, I'll never be able to do this again. I got to take a semester off school. Right. Turns out I went a hundred times, but like at that time, (laughs) like I took a semester off. So I just kind of like, we, we bobbed and weaved and it took me five years, but I got a degree from Cal State Fullerton. Um, But it was all the college thing was just because my mom, it was beat into me. Like got to go to college. Totally. You got to go to college. You You were just, just, you were just biding your time. Totally. Like, and I had to figure out how to appease mom so I could live at home. But make sure i get ingrained with all my friends who want to take me on tour and then it like like simultaneous so it was like i was finishing college dave dave peters and dom from michael Luce from throwdown were finishing college all of us at, at uh cal state fullerton at that point okay and then it was just like all right we're all done let's go and we all just went on tour right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah it uh it timed perfectly totally and it looked looking back it's like people always ask like you know, what degree should I get to get into management? And, the, you know, yeah. nothing, of course. But, right. and, and it's like, do I need the degree? Absolutely not. Did I probably learn time management and people skills like everyone talks about? Probably. But yeah. it's, it was just a, it's hard to say, like, did I need it? It's like, I don't know. It led me on this path that I went on that I ended up loving. So, sure. I'm sure. going to say it was crucial. You know what I mean? Totally. Some way or another. It, it all. But I I,
0: I think usually, like, to me, what's sort of indicative of that experience is, like, your ability to obviously realize that that there is obviously something important in regards to, like, the societal standards. And obviously, like, upholding your promise to your mom. But then also having the context of just, like, but I'm still pursuing the shit I care about, you know? So it's, like, because obviously it's, like, some people, and I think that's, you know, people just get lazy. Where it's, like, it's hard to do both. But you were just, like, well, no, I got to do this because I got to do this. Yeah.
1: And I would hustle. I would stay in the know. Like I would do shows on my own. Like I, I was doing everything I could to right. be as active as I could without being in a band. That's all. Everyone I knew was in a band. Yeah. Everyone. Why did you never play in a band? I can't do anything.
0: <laughs> I can't have no play. talent. That doesn't,
1: I, mean, I can't that, run around like an asshole and scream on stage, yeah, well, right? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> clearly that
0: most of us that ended up doing that
1: don't I can't have, even scream, I don't think. I don't even know. I, c- I just could never do it, and I, I don't know. And I you were, was obsessed with it, though, dude, like more than probably most people. Like I would go to like all of – I would go – I probably there was probably like three years where I didn't miss an 18 Visions practice. Why oh, what, was I doing that? Why would I sit there in a room you can't hear anything at Orbit Studios? You know this. No, of course. You can't hear one thing, and I would just sit there. It's probably why I'm deaf now. And just get blasted from you twice a week. I would always go. Right. Right. Hey, show show up to practice, Biggie. We got practice. I have no idea why I would do that. I loved it, though. I loved every aspect of it. Yeah. But I was never in it. And so I would go on tour. I would sell their merch. And then as I was selling merch, it's like, well... Do you want to like go get the money from the promoter? You know, a hundred dollars or, or yeah, whatever. Settle make, the show. Yeah, I'll go settle. I'll go right. settle this show, and like, which means here's your one hundred dollars. Totally. Know? <laughs> and, and then uh, you got to count it in front of them to make sure they gave you the hundred dollars. Exactly. You know. <laughs> and it just kind of morphed. You know, I went from selling merch and like yeah. picking up quote unquote tour manager duties here and there, and right. I became a tour manager. And then right, that's, that's what
0: I really did for a long time. Sure, so sure. That's. that's the uh, and so th- as you were obviously starting to get completely engulfed by you know like hardcore and music in general, it's like was your uh, was your mom like I'm really concerned like he she, I don't I don't know what it is that he is doing Yeah she she wasn't cons- she was just weirded out She's like
1: all I know because my my home was like home base My yep. mom was a cool mom and she's like they all come over They're covered in tattoos They're really nice They go upstairs. Who knows what they're doing? There, there might be girls up there. There might not be like right. loud music. Who knows what's going on? But I know they're home. I know they're safe. I know they're not partying in the, right. in, the in the drinking sense. You know. Mm-hmm. So she was cool and very very supportive of it. Um, and then when it came time to like I said, start touring more, she just looked at her own life and said like I never got to go to Europe, let alone for free, let alone with ten of my friends. You know right. that that first time when Throwdown and Eighteen Visions went together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so she let me, you know, let me do that. I think she just knew that I just had a good head on my shoulders. You know, sure. like I was, when I was getting in trouble, it was stupid shit, you know, with the law. Like, not, not I wasn't like a bad kid. Yeah, know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you dude, rambunctious. You dumb know, but dumb I teenage stuff, like yeah, vandalism. I, I was very right. respectful and all that right. jazz, but I was doing stupid shit. Right. But she let me. Kind of have free range. And she's like, if you're not getting in trouble and your grades are up, go nuts. I, I like argued that with her because I wanted to stay out late and skateboard and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what do you care? Like, if I'm not getting in trouble <laughs> right. and my grades are up, like, what do you care? Like, what is, what's the difference if I'm upstairs or not? And she's just looking at me like, okay, you win. Like, right, I, I have no, no answer, argument. You right. win. And I'm like, <laughs> ah. I <was> like, <laughs> had no curfew. I was out. You know, I thought I won this victory. And I literally sat around sophomore at my friend's apartment, as you know, like, right. till 4 a.m. doing nothing. Right. What? But in my head, it was like, fuck, yeah, I'm out at 4 a.m. Totally. Sitting on this couch doing nothing.
0: Well, I think it's like any time that I, because I had a very similar experience with 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 my parents where it was just like, it was a matter of like, if I produced what they, I guess, quote, unquote, required of me, like my life was so much easier. And it's like all of my friends that didn't experience that sort of like trust it's just like, you're making your life really shitty. Yeah. Like by you not Living up to whatever standard your parents have set, like, I'm like, it just never made any sense to me why it's like, why are you making your life hard? <laughs> like, yeah, why don't you like listen to what it is that they want and then do that? And then they will, I mean, as long as they're reasonable parents, they'll be like, oh, yeah, like your mom, like, obviously, she had no argument, no, not at that point, right? You know, at that point, I had one, <laughs> right? Um, the and so the like. I presume just because it was the, the the sort of touring and like you said you were kind of just working your way up. Um, you obviously like loved being out on the road and you loved all those experiences that kind of you know were tied up into that. Loved it. I, okay. I, I
1: I loved every aspect of it. I loved seeing different cities. I loved being at a show every day. You huh. know, it, it's crazy to think back now, like the bands I toured with and how many hundreds of times I saw them and watched all the whole time. Just stoked. Yeah. I don't even get it how I could have, but I just loved it so much. And uh, meeting everyone, met so many, so many amazing people that I'm still friends with, and so many like just cool experiences, bad things that happen, great things that happen. Just live a fulfilled, what I would consider a fulfilled life for so long that, you know, I did it for 10 years straight. Right. You
0: know, hard. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I did it hard. What was the longest that you were, I guess, gone for within a year?
1: Uh, I would say ten months, ten out of twelve. That's brutal. That was it was rough. I, but like average, you know, like I guess I, I was kind of ping ponging like we didn't know what we were doing. So like when eighteen vision and yeah, yeah. throw down stuff would tour, we would think like, Oh, we're so busy, it's insane and we did like six weeks of touring a year, you so, know. <laughs> but that evolved into once I got once I met every time I die through those through those bands, those guys are like animals. And mm-hmm. so they would just be gone. You yeah, two hundred plus I would, days a year. Totally. Yeah. Like I would I would say an average year at that time was like eight the nine, eight months average, and that's like barring a six-month album cycle and then like, or a, uh, sorry, a six-month writing period for a slow year and then yeah. like 10-month crazy year. So I would say like oh, probably eight is their average. And uh, that was when I was like, okay, this is like a real deal. I can't work because I was kind of ping-ponging around. Like, who do I go to? Like, okay, I'll go with you for two weeks and you for a month. And this is like, e is that's it. Like I kind of, this is, I'm their guy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I went
0: with them for like, I don't know, five years or something like that on R- tour. I'll right still work with them yeah yeah and and you because i mean obviously like i mean reflecting on obviously what you're doing now from a management perspective like did you kind of take to the the sort of like business aspect of the bands like you obviously enjoyed that um and did you take did you take to it immediately or was it something that you obviously like had to learn how to do initially yeah it was definitely
1: fake until you make it for sure still to this day faking it um but it was like I said, it was more like, well, I guess I'll sell merch because we need to sell merch, and I guess I'll look into the hotel because we gotta look into the hotel. I guess I'll send in sound scans, you know, before at venue. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of just acquired all the jobs, and it wasn't like they said, dude, you gotta do this. You're our tour manager, you know. Um, I would just take every responsibility and own it, you know, and mm-hmm. even if it wasn't my responsibility, and and many. After many years, what I realized what I was doing was essentially managing the band. You know, I would take—I just wouldn't hit anyone up. Like I'd be like, "Oh, we need to book the van. I'll do it. We need to book a flight. I'll do it. We need to make a budget. I'll do it." You know, and of course, the managers love me because like, this kid's just killing he's it. Doing, he's, yeah, he's doing, <laughs> all, doing all of our
0: work—that's yeah, great. Like, I didn't know how
1: to land us a tour. I didn't know like anything about recording contracts, anything like that. But anything on the road, I would do everything. Uh-huh. And as I got deeper and deeper into the band, you know, I became kind of a six-member guy of like involved in all their personal shit and involved in all the behind-the-scenes
0: shit and I was very... You knew everything I, that I was, was happening. Yeah,
1: I was like part of the band, you know? Right. And, um, you know, fast-forwarding, I got sick of touring eventually. Yeah. Met my wife, started like not... In, it started being like, oh, I'm going on tour instead of like, fuck, going on tour, I can't wait, you know? Started yeah. being like a different feeling and after like a year of it really feeling like work, I was just like, fuck this. I was right. on like my fourth or fifth warp tour which is like
0: you know an ex- it's a strenuous, strenuous tour strenuous tour to do what and, uh, so with the the like talk to me more about that feeling that you get when or that feeling that you got obviously when you you kind of hit the wall of touring because it's like a lot of people um you know do go through those like spaces where it's like oh like maybe this is something like I'll get out of or whatever. But it's like, you know, tell like walk me through cuz I mean, yeah, touring is obviously such a weird beast for people who just like yeah either experiencing it like in very little amounts or don't experience it um beyond just the band playing in front of them, you know. Yeah, it was interesting
1: because after a while i like I owned I always felt like like I'm part of this band, I'm part of this band, and then the, the reality was like I'm not, you know. Like right. I'm, I'm just a crew member. Like like fire me like I'm working my ass off to make sure their career has longevity and they get bigger as a band, which is great. But at the end of the day, like, I'm here. I'm making the max I can make with these guys. Like, they, they paid me great as a tour manager. It's like, I can't even ask for more. It's like, this is too much money, right, as is for this size of this band. Role. Like, I was sure. earning it. I was doing enough work to justify it, but it's not like I can ask for more. So it's like, I just hit the crossroads of, like, I either need to, and I always had, you know, I wanted to make money. I wanted to be successful. So it's either like move on to the next level of touring, which becomes touring with strangers and arena bands and all this shit, which that just becomes a job to me, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, yeah. or figure out the next step, you know? And I didn't know it, but at the time, this guy, Paul Conroy, who I called my mentor, um, who was managing bands and stuff. And I told him like, man, I'm just, just done, you know, like he used to manage every time I died. Didn't at, didn't at this time, but like he owned this big company and stuff and, like i'm done i don't know he's like well, why don't you just come off tour and be a manager i'm like okay yeah know, what, if, that what good? does that mean yeah and he's he's the type of person where you know someone can say that and then like walk away from me at warp tour and just like see i'm on to the next thing right but he was that he got in his head and he's like no really like two days after warp tour fly to new york meet this band let's pick up our first band together i'm like okay and that's right. how it started right you know, right we flew and picked up as weird as it sounds now that i don't work in that world
0: we the first band i managed was vnv nation Oh, okay with him oh that's that's right i think i remember Remember that that? the um and so was it was it one of those things where you just felt like uh like you were like well okay i guess this is the opportunity for me to get off the road like and you're like i'm gonna put my all into it
1: yeah well it was like i'm gonna try this
0: because i didn't know like what (laughs) yeah it's like a guarantee
1: you know anyone can say they're a manager so there's no guarantee you're going to succeed right so in my head i was like well this is a way to test the water i'm just co-managing i essentially was doing what i was doing for every time i die but for vnv nation i wasn't doing anything on like the big business stuff i was like oh you need flights and visas and budgets sure. like i got you I the day-to-day day managers exactly like i called. was day-to-day and um i can do that from the road and so i was finishing out this we talked on warp tour which was obviously in the summer and so i was picking up Kind of momentum in the management world. Still only had V and V all the way f- until the next like March. Okay, and so I decided somewhere in there that this is going to be my last. I'm going to finish out there every time that I cycle because they were going to finish in Soundwave in Australia, mm-hmm. and they're going to go away for six months and write a record. And in that time, I'm going to like become a manager. Sure. And so, long story short, when I was telling. Etid, like, I'm done. It was kind of, They were kind of very cool and said, well, you got to be involved in some way. I don't know. They didn't know, like, the business of it, but, like, <laughs> yeah. you got to do something with us. So I co-managed Etid with their, at the time, manager. Got it. So here I am, like, I got V&V Nation, which, if you know that band, like, this is a pretty sizable band, and yep. I got Every Time I Die. Like, this is a great start. Absolutely, to it adds the, the the
0: credibility that you were able to bring to the table. Was yeah, and it was there. and I
1: was comfortable. It's like I was I had yeah. Etid who were like my best friends, and I, if I fucked up, they're just like, you know, they're not going to hang me out to dry or yeah, anything. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, i i i have I have some connection to pretty much every band I manage. You know, like on a personal level, just like with this podcast, like pretty mm-hmm. much everyone you do, it's like some weird like, hey, we remember in the in 2001 we did that thing in Chicago, like, yep. All the way to me where it's, like, just same neighborhood forever. That's how it is with all my bands. Like, when when I got brought on to the company I now own, which, you know, we can go into detail later. Yep. Um, It was like, well, now go find clients. And I'm like, what, am I, what do you want to do? Like, <laughs> hey, guys, I manage bands now. You know, it's not my thing. But, right. you know, scrutinized. And then between the barrier to me, never had a manager. I was great friends with those guys from touring with, you know. Yeah. For, seeing for, them on the road. For right. Yeah. Right. And I went went to one of their shows and I'm like, no manager now, you know, and Tommy, <laughs> who's like one of my great, great friends, was managing, essentially managing the band at the time. Yeah. You know, a little weary, but he's like, you know, fuck it, let's try let's it try out. try it out. Again, I was like the connector to Paul. Paul Conroy was the guy and Paul can come in and, you know, sell anything to anyone. So I partnered with Paul, mm-hmm. came on board with us and now I have a partner in all these bands But VNV Nation every time I die between the barrier to me. Right. It's like starting to grow, you know, and then. You know, it's just a steamroll where Tara was at the company. They didn't, they didn't like their situation. Totally. Scott was like, "We want to stay at your company, but we should have Biggie do it." So now it's you know, just starting to grow, <laughs> right? You know, right. And, and and
0: well, I, I and, and I think it's what I mean. You you recounting those stories, I think is I mean it leads into a question I was going to ask. Where it's like the. um you can definitely see the people who have obviously, like I guess, come from a quote-unquote scene, and obviously, it's like you know, you just know people because you know people because mm-hmm. you spent so many times in the same rooms as these people, mm-hmm. and so there's that sort of like inherent level of trust where you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, you're on the same level, you you know, you speak the same language, and that to me has always been indicative of how you do business with like all of your bands, like you know, how we were talking the other night, where it's just like obviously you don't you know you don't do contracts with your bands, like no. all these things that are very kind of um, sort of. The antithesis of the way a lot of other people do business, even yeah. people that have obviously come from our scene, um, and so it's like I, I presume that's a very um, you know deliberate choice on your part, where it's just like this is the way that I'm doing it, and this there's like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that.
1: Yeah, well, considering you know like everyone I manage pretty much, like I said, has at least one good friend that was my friend before managing, right. I just wanted to perform for my friends. Like I would see these guys like being mistreated and mis no, not, you know, mishandled, I should say. And right. Dudes that are unhappy. And I just, I couldn't get it. And it, do- it doesn't stop now. Like yeah. it, it, my biggest band I picked up with circus Survive last year. And I remember meeting those dudes and just being like, I can't believe this is how to my head circus. i saw them in these huge shows just like, Oh, there's that huge band. It like, <laughs> yeah, must totally. be nice being circus survive. Totally. And then I meet him. It's like, you know, Anthony's going through tons of problems. There's personal problems inside and outside of the band, financial problems. They hate their managers. They hate their labels. You know, what do we do? It's like, we're going to break up. I'm like, what is going on? Like, you're sitting on a diamond. Like, let's hold on for a minute. Give me six months and let's, you know, regroup. You know what I mean? And, And, I have know where I was going with that. No, but. no, no. But I, I, I mean,
0: I, I, the, the. Well, it's funny because I, I mean, I hear this quite often where it's just like the, the that the kernel that you're getting at is the, the fact that you obviously just want to be helpful. Yeah, I do, and that's the thing. Like, don't get me wrong.
1: My friends love to make fun of me. Like, I'm, I'm a suit. I like to make money. I like to be successful. I have no guilt about the success I have or any of that stuff. Right. But the core root of me, I love helping people. I'm a dude that would rather give a gift than get a gift. I, I just love it. Like, I get. So much enjoyment of like someone texting me saying like, you've changed our life. Or like, man, we were, we were in a bad spot or, you know, this situation would have sucked if it wasn't for you. Like,
0: it's the best thing in the world. Or like, Hey, like, Hey, you'll return a call.
1: Like yeah, I I'm, like, I'm so shocked. when it's like that's the other thing. Like oh yeah, like I can't get my business manager on the phone. It's like what are you talking about? Like, r- he, he you really make you money work. right now off you right today. Today they're making money off you. He, I'll never get it. Right. He works. That person works for you. you understand yeah. to the point to where like if I am and like if I don't see my phone or if I'm in the pool or something with my yeah. kid, I'll, like thirty minutes will go by and they'll be like, hey man, not a huge like they'll text me and then like not a huge rush, but making sure you're all good. You right. never don't reply. You know. I'm like oh no, I'm good. I'm just. In the pool, yeah, know? yeah. I'm just like they're not mad. They're just like, did you reply right away? Everything cool? You right. know? Like I'm on it with replies. I mean, you, you've
0: emailed with me, you know. It's of course, like, bing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 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 engaged because obviously you're the the passion and like you said the the identity that you've created for yourself in regards to like helping people. I think that that really jumps through, and that obviously that makes bands and people that want to work with you more endeared to you because you're just like, oh yeah, like. You just want to help, like yeah. And I just get,
1: I just get lines get blurred. I just get wedged in from business into personal. You know, these are like, I don't know, like what should I do with like tax stuff? What should I? kind of want to buy a house. I have like we made all this money. What's the best thing to do with it? And I'm not an expert by any means, but let me at least connect you with people that know. And so I just become the guy that people come to. You know, totally. With can you help me with this? Sure, totally. And the answer is. Most of the time, yes. Right. You know? As long as like it's yeah.
0: involved with music, I'll probably be able to point you in the right direction. Yeah. Or, or maybe Hopefully. help you myself. Yeah. Um, the uh, You actually mentioned this a little bit earlier where it's like the, the – because uh, so many people speak about like you know, imposter syndrome where it's just like, yeah, fake it till you make it. Like that sort of idea where it's like you don't have any idea what you're doing, but you need to act like you know in order for people to like have confidence and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, because you mentioned that was the case for you for a long time. Um, when did you feel like you kind of turned a corner there, where it was like, "Oh, I feel comfortable." Like yeah. in, be, like you said, being able to offer advice and being able to, like, actually be a quote unquote professional. Um, like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a specific moment. Oh, but there's, like, a, there's an exact moment. Oh. <laughs> well, it's, it's less a moment of when I. I, I
1: it was a moment when I, when I took the training wheels off. Basically, okay. like I was connected to Paul Conroy and he was my guy and I was like proudly he was my guy like oh I'm Paul's dude you know he would never say I was day to day he would call me his partner sure but in my head I knew what time it was like he was the guy (laughs) yeah you're like I know where I sit yeah like I'm not filing lawsuits against you know labels without Paul you know (laughs) right and so he was my guy we were killing it we were doing probably I probably had like five bands and uh, he was taking a part of the commission I was taking the vast majority of the commission but he was like my go to for the big picture stuff sure and uh as as paul has done he jumped to the next phase of his business career mm-hmm. he kind of has like a two or three i didn't know but he has a, a few year window that he stays like engaged and then he kind of he's just he's swimming he's going up you know mm-hmm. and he sat me down in la and he's like i'm leaving the music business and my fucking head almost exploded he loves to tell this story now now that i made it out on the other side and he made it on the other side sure. he's like dude I told everyone and every, most people were probably sort of grateful because he's like, he's a badass. So most people were like, cool, fucking boss is gone. See you later, you know? Right. And he's like, everyone I could tell was either happy for me or relieved. And then there was you that was like, where, he's where like, am I going? Yeah. He's like, I felt like I told you your dog died. And I'm like, that's how I felt. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Like, what are you talking about? You're not, I don't know what to do. You know? Right. And he's like, you know what to do? I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and uh, that was when I was just like, all right, like, fuck it <laughs> and i had to tell all the bands i'm like paul's leaving does that affect right. where? do you want to do you, do you want, me want to stay? stay with me like right. joker ass biggie like moshing you know like do you want to stay here and everyone stayed and uh to this day there are definitely times where i'm just like i'm calling my lawyer i don't know about this you know i'm right. calling this is a tricky label thing i'm calling carl you know the label forever you know mm-hmm. um and i'm i'm still learning so much and i'm still um not what I would consider to be like a business badass like the dudes that I look up to. But right. I can run a management company, I can manage a band and I can uh delegate properly, but also not make
0: clients feel like I'm just delegating everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, you're hands-on enough to where it's just like they're and not hands on by saying like you're placating somebody, but you're hands on where it's like you're getting the value out of whatever you feel that it is that, you know, we've agreed to from a commission yeah. standpoint. Where it's, yeah, yeah it's not just, just never
1: I I I would just be surprised my, my fear is when I hear these bands, like, yeah, I fucking hate our manager. We pay him all his money, doesn't do anything. And it's like, in my heart, I'm like, what if, like, what if, like, the story so far sits around and says it about me? You know, like, what if, like, you know, yeah, that's like yeah. the biggest fear in the world. But, like, I don't think anyone does that. But right. I'll make sure, I just try to make sure that I'm never that guy. Like, totally. I'll answer everything you ever need. If I, I'll be honest, if I think it's a terrible idea, I'm not just going to say yes and do it. You know, I'm definitely not a yes man, but I will try to
0: get it done for you. Right. You know, whatever it is. Did you? Because I do think that's an important component that I think a lot of people. I mean, I totally had this misconception. Granted, this was like late 90s, early 2000s when the idea of managers for hardcore bands was such a weird concept. Yeah, it it was is. like I was like, oh, like Ryan Downey's the only person that manages hardcore bands. Like, every, totally. the, it didn't make any sense. And even
1: that was because he was, yeah, throw it out and bleeding through. They're like best friends. I was of like, course. I guess, like you know how to write a great email and can probably like open a bank account for us. Like let's go. And they right. all learn together. Yeah. That's,
0: that's, that's the manager. Yeah. But like, cause so many people feel, uh, I say the public perception is the idea that it's like the manager is some sort of like, you know, puppet master. And it's just like, Oh, whatever the manager says goes like, we yeah. hardly have that choice. Like, do you, is that still common? Like, do people still perceive it that way? Like from, I don't know, just the limited interactions that you kind of see out there, uh, as far as the perception is concerned.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's so different now. Yeah. now it's worse than ever. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of people saying you're a manager, I mean, there's no, there's no prerequisite. There's no credentialing necessary. Right. So, like, you got a Gmail account. I, yeah, I mean, thank God. Like, otherwise, I maybe I wouldn't have a job. But yeah. it's hard to sift through that bullshit. But
0: I don't know if, like, I guess, yeah, I, I can't really. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough thing because I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's like. There are so many people that obviously say they manage bands, but then they clearly not only is it they, they're faking it till they're making it, but then they're just making some really, really horrible decisions for people. And then, you know, that business relationship is dissolved and people hate each other. And then that kind of perpetuates that. Yeah, it of just perpetuates like, people
1: thinking, like, well, managers suck. Like, right. this guy didn't do anything, they just took money, which is a lot. what a lot of managers are doing. You right. Know, like, of course, things are getting done, but I mean, most managers work off 15%. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Of course. If you're just a guy taking 15% of a band, like, A, you should be making up at least some of that money. Like, I'm not saying if a band pays their manager hundred grand, the manager says, oh, well, I created $100,000 of income. Not necessarily that, but like, create some of that money or create an insane service. Like, now the sponsorships are gone and like the, the, the dreams are over of big money music stuff. Like, you, you have your own team mm-hmm. and means to make a career, and that's it. It's like all I can do is expand my team. So it's like we have a you know me a day to day a marketing person a, a sponsorship person a social media person you know like right anything you could possibly need because as everyone says now that that's it's such a just it's just such a wild west it's like whose job is what like is this the label's job is this my job and much like I did on tour mm-hmm. it's like well there's this thing and it has to get done I guess we'll do it because I'm not going to say oh sorry guys like the label didn't do that Mm -hmm. you know because i just i just own everything and if it's hey this didn't get done i just go my bad even if it's not my bad if it's like someone on my staff fucked up or oh i checked in the label they just didn't write me back well i should have written back and see what's going on you know so i just we try to just gobble up everything we can and once everything's (laughs) internal and i know everyone that is working for me with me have are great at their jobs nothing out of in our control Goes wrong, right? You know? And there is no, and and if it does, it's very easy. Like I can just
0: own it and say, like, oh yeah, fucked up. Oh yeah, that, that yeah, that didn't happen because of this. Yeah. Um, and the you, you joked earlier, obviously, about the the concept of you know being a suit and like being a person that is. Uh, because there's usually always like one or two people in in a band that obviously have to sort of take on that that business role or whatever um and it, it doesn't um it's that weird line of being like, all right, I gotta be friendly and personable like because even well I guess what I'm trying to ask you never struck me as the person who's going to be like pick up the phone and like fucking yelling at people never
1: like, i'm a I'm a bees bees and honey kind of guy um it's pretty rare that like it gets that bad yeah you know I, I'm just an even keeled guy and as much as I care, I just understand that everyone that is like that is looked at as a joke. It's like, Oh wow, this guy's flying off the handle big, you know, it's Tuesday, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So where if I fly off the handle, it's like, Oh shit, like something's going on, but it's so rare. Like I'm totally, I, you just get so many more favors if people want to work with you, you know? And and I, I'll start working with these bigger agents and bigger labels and I get compliments all the time where it's like, Oh, it's just so nice to work with you. You're so on it. And it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm, part of me is like god should i be more of an asshole like is a good manager like fighting for his band every day but in my head i don't think so because 99 percent of the time you're gonna work with the same group of 30 people Mm -hmm. in this industry and if you just kill one verbally or you know like it's gonna come back eventually you know so it's just more like if there's a big problem that hat that is going on it's like this is how this is going on right now. It's fucked up. We need to figure out a way to have it not be fucked up, mm-hmm. you know, and have that tone of it more so than just like screaming and and going nuts, right? You know, that's like that's the default mode that people. Same with the bands, you know. I hear these bands like going like a fight with each other. I'm just like, okay, guys, let's bring it in <laughs> and let's fucking talk about it because
0: going nuts in the in the bus isn't going to solve anything. You know? No. So the um, is it is it funny for you being in a position now where obviously because you've been doing it for. A longer period of time that obviously people look to you And I say people that are like you know asking advice for you know management and all that sort of stuff um or is it like do you feel that sense of responsibility where it's just like oh yeah this happened to me because you know Paul helped me so I in turn want to help other people like is it just kind of weird sitting in that sort of like yeah it's weird when people will say like
1: oh like you're the guy like they want to meet with you at good fight and I'm like Oh, it's weird. Like, there's better managers than me at Good Fight, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not the best manager at Good Fight. I might be the most personable. Mm-hmm. You know, I might. Uh, I, I, it's very weird. Yes, and um, mm. I love it. I absolutely love when people want advice, or or mm-hmm. when you know a younger manager, even though the answer is ninety percent no. It's like oh, I'd love to come become part of Good Fight. You know, it's right? The best flattering thing in the world. Right. I, mean, I love it. Yeah. You're and like- just like just like you were saying, it's it, it almost happened. I didn't know it at the time, but I was restructuring our, our business because when Paul left, it, it left our company in disarray where it's like at the time, everyone was on salaries except me. I came in as a commission guy because I just saw through that. I'm like, wait, I can make like X amount of dollars a year or if I land some bands, I can make way more than that. Yeah. And I have this egg I'm sitting on from touring because I would tour and not spend money and you of know, course. so I could see if this works. So when Paul left, it was like this disarray of like, okay, what are we going to do? Dad left. Let's look at everything. Here are the books. And it's like, okay, that salary is fucking insane. Right. You know, you're Uh, not getting
0: paid six figures. That's
1: (laughs) that's not happening. Um, (laughs) So we just restructured our whole model to be what it is now. And and what essentially, what I didn't know at the time, what I was doing was creating people's, the ability to have someone come in as a young manager and not just make 20 grand a year, 30 grand a year, 40 grand a year, but start with a small salary if they needed it. But start a roster, and if your bands get big, you're going to make a lot of money really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, And I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I've created this model that has done amazing. Our, mm-hmm. our, the guys in my company have flourished, you know, both business and financially, because there's not one guy at the top paying a half million dollars in salaries hoping to make 700 grand over the year in commissions and net that 200. It's just like, you eat what you kill, and if you don't kill, you don't eat. And it exposes you if you're slacking and it rewards you if you're killing, you yeah. know, if you're doing great. And so people like people that have come on as like my quote unquote day to day managers just skyrocket up because they have great ears and their bands get big. And instead of being like, cool, I make 40 grand a year, this is great. Oh, I got to raise to 50 grand a year. It's like, well, I just made 100 grand last year because these couple bands did, did well. I'm right. going to get the next big band and do well. And while I get a piece of that, it's nothing like, Crazy. It's totally incentivized, incentivized everyone to work really hard to understand that I get out exactly what I put in. And if I put in more, I get out more. And, you know, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I wasn't trying to create this like big business plan. I was just like, how do we not have to change email addresses and like not tell everyone we're a fucking shell of a company? And so I created this new thing, and now it's like, oh, this kind of works, you know. Totally. <laughs> the,
0: the the sheer panic of like, oh my gosh, I just, I, I really, yeah, like, the, it's so funny when your mind goes to like the simplest of shit, where it's just like, I gotta hold on to that, yeah. But then, yeah, then all of a sudden, all this other stuff that you build up, where it's just like, oh, that, like, oh, that's a thing now, I guess. Yeah. That like we're doing. Yeah, like people call us like, how are
1: you guys set up? Because it just seems like you're doing so well, and I'm like, this is what we do, and they go like, it's fucking genius, right. and I'm like, well, thanks. I didn't mean to at all. Yeah, like, I totally tripped into. I this. just didn't want to like. We have to change email addresses again. It's right. a new
0: company. But this is how we are now. Right. Um and the what you were just saying kind of answers the, the, the next question I was going to ask. Where it's like obviously with with us being involved in sort of, you know, youth culture and, you know, continually like what you know, what was cared about five years ago is not cool anymore. Whatever. Like there's obviously it's a very high recycle point. Um does it does it ever concern you where of just like, oh like, you know, you do get to that point where it's just like, oh yeah, like, you know, I'm not as enthusiastic about checking records, you know, every week or whatever, not saying that you're going to get to that point, but like that sort of like always being ahead of the game from like, you know, knowing bands before everybody else and that sort of stuff. Does that, Um, I I wouldn't even say concern you, but does that just kind of circle in your orbit where it's just like, oh yeah, like maybe I shouldn't, uh, you know, that's something that I'm going to have to be concerned about sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I, when I bring on people, I, I don't, when I say bring on it's not like i find I find another thirty five year old dude yeah you know, <laughs> I, I find young twenties people that are like have their ear to the ground on stuff and you know bring in amazing bands like turnover years before I heard who they were and, right. and state champs years before I heard who they were um and even now I' brought in James Vitalo from backtrack who's helping me with tear and you know Turnstile and stuff and he's just knows everything about hardcore and makes it easier for me where I'm like dude I, I listen to and love hardcore but like I don't know if freedom is bigger than forced order. I don't know that. Yeah. Maybe you do. Help me, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, like it is a, I can't ever imagine being myself the guy that's like I own good fight and uh these guys work under me and that's it, you know. Like I can't ever ever seeing that be the case ever. But I am conscious enough to be like I need young people to keep keep this thing happening and not just be some weird graveyard company of like well they have all these cool old bands but like they haven't like built a band in a long time
0: you know yeah what I mean? no totally it's a good point yeah you don't want to yeah you definitely the the graveyard notion where it's just like <laughs> oh yeah i've been managing the same band for 20 years and like yeah. that's it it's like you know it's like there there's certain bands where it's just like oh yeah we've been the same manager for 25 years does he take care of anybody else no what like, yeah you've literally just managed one band for yeah. twenty five years and that's it yeah. yeah it's definitely a weird thing. um the last thing I want to hit on was just the um uh, you know the the idea that you you are like you i see the way that you deal with bands as very much like you still are that sort of proverbial like six member or fourth member, how many ever mm-hmm. are in the band um do you still feel like you're you're filling that role or do you have to kind of sort of emotionally disconnect as well where it's like just because you do have to have that sort of like I wouldn't even say professional distance because you're not like that, but just, you know, uh, how, have, how have you navigated that? Because sometimes...
1: No, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in, dude. Like, dude, I I, I was uh, from from the highs of, like, being anxious for Circa to go on to 5,000 people at the Shrine yep, to, like, getting goosebumps watching that show to being, like, hand on my head, like, stressing, like, dude, why are these presales so low on this tour? Like, this band's great the album's great everyone loves you know the package is great why is this happening it's not like and eh, fuck get them next time you know like i i carry it all the highs and the lows big time you know probably more
0: than i should with how many bands i have and like yeah i was gonna know, say how do you i mean like that's that's uh i mean for lack of a term like stressful i mean that's us. all because you're you i mean you also strike me as a very like hard in your sleeve person where it's like you you are because you kind of take on these bands and like you don't have that distance like it, that emo, I'm sure that emotionally wears you out,
1: yeah, totally okay. I mean, luckily, most of the time it's like the it's good, you know yeah. luckily it's like, oh, I can't wait to go see this sold out show. That's the usual vibe, but every once in a while it's like, man, like I'm gonna write this terrible email to the band to say, like, Hey, put your head down and get through this tour. it's gonna be a rough one, mm-hmm. and knowing what that would feel like if I was in the van or bus or whatever it's just it's it sucks, yeah. And now now that some of these older guys like, okay, so I'm leaving my wife and kid. To go play these shit ass shows because I have to make money. It's like so this is a job. Where now this is just a job, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, you know you're clocking in, right? See you in a month, right? And it's brutal, uh-huh. you know? and I hate I hate when that happens, but it
0: happens, right? You know, and uh, and do you do like and you obviously try like you I, I presume you obviously try to be. Um, as empathetic as you can to those situations where you're just like, Hey, like, yeah, like you said, we'll put your head down and get through this. Cause hopefully the next things on the horizon will obviously be better. And uh, there'll be more hope or whatever. That. Yeah. Like okay. I
1: try not to dismiss it. Just like do just get through it? It's a bad tour. We'll get a good one soon.
0: <laughs> but at the right. same
1: time, I don't want to be like, the sky's fucking falling. Like maybe, maybe we look at day jobs, you know? So it's like finding the, the happy medium of like, we're going to get through it. It's a tough time of the year. It's, we, we went too diverse on this bill. Right. It's too many bands are touring too much in the U.S., which is a—I could do a whole podcast on that <laughs> topic alone. Right? You know, um, too many full-time bands taking away da da da. But yeah, it's—it's it's finding the happy medium of like get through the tour. But I promise, I care. It's not for lack of trying. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to see all the marketing that we paid a ton of extra money out of my pocket, out of my commission that I pay to have people do, I'll—I'll I'll send you a list. Like, it's not for lack of trying. Right. Some tours just don't connect. Yeah. You know? It, and it's crazy. You, know, you do one tour, it's insane, and then do a tour nine months later, that's insane. But sandwiched in the middle was this shit ass tour. Mm-hmm. You're like, why? It's right. not like we just farted it out. Like, I ah, like fuck that one. Like, yeah, we'll just throw that right. Yeah, like we we take extreme, so much energy and attention to detail when it comes to touring. That it's just like, why did this not work? Mm-hmm. And then another one that's just you can't you. you you can't keep tickets from selling like the other ones are just flying away it's like why like what the hell right it's so <laughs> weird and there's no the person that figures out that science is a millionaire you know what i mean because totally because nothing no
0: right nothing is 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 calculable exactly. this is it's all just uh yeah you like you said it's not for lack of trying you put your best foot forward and then you're just like well I can't control this at this point. Yeah, like I cannot. I can do everything, but physically take the
1: card out of the kid's wallet and purchase the ticket. Can't do that. (laughs) Right. I'll try everything up until then. Right. You know, and it's oh man, it's brutal. Right. Nothing. Nothing sits worse than like I have this weird rush of like work at like nine and ten p.m. at night from band members getting off stage. That's kind of like band time anyway, in general. So like up and working late at night, and I'll get the like, well, Kentucky sucked. It's Mm -hmm. like. Turns out,
0: you know, yeah, like, right <laughs> t- t- turns out that the evidence is that stacked up the past 15 years that Kentucky isn't a hot bad. Yeah, it's like,
1: I, what do I say? It's like, dude, I'm sorry, at least you're in Iowa
0: tomorrow or something, you know what I mean?
1: Like, I, 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 I but it's not that I don't care, I care, it's just I don't know what to say, man. Like, yeah, you you're like, get through it, right, you know?
0: you're like, yeah, I, I identify with that. Your bad's not
1: shot, you know, this is you're still selling records, your last tour did great, your next tour did great, this one's not working, right? But like I said, luckily, most of the time, it's the like, holy shit, Dallas was insane.
0: Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this sold out. You know, that's that's the general vibe. Right, right. Um, and because you obviously, I mean, like you have a family, you have, you know, a daughter, is it, um, is it one of those things where it's like you you find your, you just have to budget your time more? Like how are you kind of like, you know, addressing that sort you of... You want to
1: hear my exact day?
0: No, I would... Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I have an exact day. Of course. <laughs> it's not, it, it's very scheduled,
1: but not in the sense of like, okay, it's this time, I must do this. It just... Works out like this every time. I wake right. up early, get the first round of emails done, wake my kid up, probably about like eight thirty or so, because mm-hmm. uh, she's a, she stays up late and sleeps in late, which is a whole nother story, right? But wake her up, eat food, maybe watch some TV, have like a little hangout time, you know, peeping at the inbox, like it's laptops maybe on the table while I'm with her and stuff, but sure. nothing insane. Um, get her dressed and ready to go to this, like, group nanny situation we have. We have, like, a nanny that watches, like, five kids at a time. Okay. And that happens at uh, – we take her at 10, come home and clear out the inbox, train at my house 10.30 to 11.30 every day, and then take a shower, go eat lunch, and then it's, like, the second round of hard work. Sure. All my, like, stuff like – anything like this – or phone calls, everything I try to schedule in the afternoon because the morning is kind of chaos with email and like getting the kid out and making sure I have time to work out and all that stuff. Uh and then the afternoon is more like, okay, I'm gonna dive into the things that take more than five seconds to fire back an email, mm-hmm. do my calls, like really Right, do the more bigger picture bigger stuff. Bigger picture stuff. Right. And that goes until, you know, whenever essentially. But five five thirty. Yep. That's when we either I get June my daughter June or my wife gets June. We meet back here and then it's like life away time family time with dinner some sort of activity whether it's like going to the spectrum or just doing something fun you sure. know and then come home and either swim or get her down mm-hmm. until bedtime right and then once we put her down open the laptop back up do that like kind of nine to ten thing sure and then you know hopefully it dies out and i can go to bed right right, so right that's right. pretty pretty regular yeah that's what i mean it's yeah you but it's I, fine you know it's it's definitely like like i hate being like well it's 8 30 to 9 30 it's daughter time yeah you know, it's yeah. not like it's i've already put in a good chunk of work and then it's daughter time and then i come back to work and then it's workout time and then i come back to work and then i right. go eat and go to the other office and then it's back to work you know yeah uh and then it, but that it's funny because my wife works a ton too she knows it's her own business so we both have to just focus and be like this is june time She's been with a nanny. She needs our full, full-on attention and we give it to her and it's amazing. Right. And then she, you know, she's almost three. She's kind of getting to the point where it's like, all right, guys, like do my own thing now. Like put me in my room. I got toys and iPads and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah,
0: that's like the full, the breakdown of, Pretty much Monday through Friday, right? That's I mean, because I, I think it's you have you have to plan for that stuff because otherwise it's like if it's scattershot and you're just kind of like figuring it out as it goes, it's like yeah. That yeah. That's I watch the
1: families that do it like that, and it's like <sighs> dude, it's so inefficient, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I hate saying like your family's inefficient, but at the same time, it's like dude, we're we're all doing so much right to have a life that we want. There just has to be schedules, you know. And and we've like made a, a point to like make sure we. You know, we go out on our Airstream every other every other week, even for 36 to 50 hours, you know, just a mm-hmm. little trip just to turn off. Or the weekend, it's like, it's just family time. Yep. Because even weeknights, a ton of the time, or like this month, for example, like every single Friday, Saturday, and Sunday I have shows. Right. Every single one. All my bands are all touring this fall. Yep. And so it's like now my weekends that are my family time is shot. So right. making sure I'm on point for the scheduled stuff yeah. is crucial. Totally, you know? and totally. And that way when, it, when I do have to leave on a, a Wednesday to go to a show, it's like, ah, as long as I did my dinner and my, like, trip to wherever we're going and get June ready for bed, right. I don't feel like an asshole. And my wife's like, I'm shot. Get out of here. You right. know what I mean? You're,
0: yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're present. You're not just like, totally. yeah, yeah.
1: true. That's, that's huge for me. And it was a weird balance because, you know, I don't know how to be much like anything else. I'm faking it until I make it as a dad. Of course. And uh, I think we figured it out. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, considering yeah. how busy we are, I think we're in a good spot to where, like, my kid's not going to look around and be like, Oh, I don't even know my dad. Yeah, or, I don't,
0: my parents aren't
1: even existing in my life. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time it's like, Yeah, I'm kinda on my own. I gotta like figure out my own shit. I'm not just like my yeah. parents aren't just staring at me twelve
0: hours a day or anything. <laughs> totally, totally you know? No, I think that's uh, yeah, those are all like just yeah, it, it, this it's shit you don't think about until like you're in the middle of it and you're just like, oh yeah, like I don't want to be. I basically you always look at it, you're like, oh, I don't want to be this person or I don't want to. Like, that's
1: well, that's literally what it was. Like I just right. like, what did my dad do? Because I'm just gonna do the opposite. <laughs> totally, <laughs> was, as easy as and that it's is,
0: a, and it's amazing that you have those like uh, those blueprints to look at, like whether it's like you know your own direct experience with you know a family member or it's like someone else you've seen where it's just like, oh yeah, they turned out like this because of this. So I'm gonna like I don't want that. So yeah. I'm gonna
1: do. This. Or yeah, or even like the the families that the rare family that parents weren't divorced. It was a lot of the times like yeah, like that's my mom. We hang and dad's like never around. It's like yeah. I just don't want any of that. I just want to like have a cool family, like really? a good family life. You know, like totally. It's it was it's I think it's just a super important thing to like make time for. And I, I'm in an, I'm in 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 an interesting spot to where like I understand most people like leave at 8, get home at 6, and that's life, and, and you're shot at 6. I luckily work half the day from home and half at the office, so I can be there for the morning, yep. leave whenever I want. As long as I get all my shit done, I'm going to be able to have a free schedule. And so you know, I don't just look down at anyone that worked a 10-hour day and is like, dude, I don't want to go to Chuck E. Cheese at all. I'm right. shot. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But since I like what I do while it's a lot of work, I'm never just it doesn't like, feel like just give me home. Just give me home. I got I'm so stressed. Like, totally. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Even my stressful days, it's like well, at least I was stressed out talking to all my friends. At least I was like in a right. shitty spot working with dudes I love. You know? Right. Working with something I'm passionate about. Exactly. Like working to better my company instead of working for someone else that who cares? Who cares if I do well? It doesn't affect me. I don't get more or less if I do mm-hmm. a shittier job. You know, right? So. I'm
0: I, I'm at this level. It will be unaffected by my sort of work or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this was spectacular, Biggie. I appreciate you hanging we, out. You classified been, as spectacular. I, I enjoyed the conversation. I was very much looking forward to this. So you you, you delivered, my friend. Hell yeah. <laughs> So that was that conversation. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I was really excited to do this because uh I mean, for one, he was uh very, very generous and just like emailed me out of the blue and was like, I really like your show. I like what you're doing there, you're doing good work. This is cool. And anytime you hear that from like a friend who you know you may not hang out with all the time, you just like see him at shows occasionally, it was very um yeah, I don't know. It maybe it gave me the nice warm and fuzzies inside. So um yes. The episode this week is actually a new producer, a person who's going to try it out for the next uh, you know, month or so and see if uh he for one enjoys it <laughs> and for <laughs> two is able to uh to hang out with me and uh, all the content that I produce. So, big shout out to Anthony Patera. He plays in a band called Zombie, incredible band. You know, I mean, You'll know a lot more next week because I will be uh, maybe talking about them on the year-end episode. For those of you that have been asking for that, it's going to air next week. So yay! You can hear me and my friend Joey and my friend Jeremy talk about our year-end list. But anyways, that's not why I bring that up. Thank you very much, Anthony. He's a producer for the next month, and uh, hopefully he enjoys it and will continue this relationship. If not, no, no harm, no foul. We walk away. <laughs> so big shout-out to him. Visit the show's website, 100WordsPodcast.com. Follow the show on Twitter, 100WordsPodcast. And, um, yeah, email the show if you want to, 100 podcast at gmail.com. And until next week, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com. Shh.